Welcome back to the Mike and Matt Show. What's going on, Maddie? I'm very excited. Ooh, when you get excited, I get excited. <laughs> you it know, doesn't work the other way you around. Know, you want to know why I'm very excited? Tell me why you're excited. So I, as I've worked at Alpha, it's now almost we're going on eight years with me, I have realized how small the world really is. Okay. And today, you're going to find out why. And I'm going to specifically, it's who our guest is today, Frank Dippold. I grew up in the town of Livingston in New Jersey. I was about to say, I thought you were going to say that you were my cousin. And I'd be like, I don't know how that happened. No. Okay. We might do. We might have some common <laughs> roots. Who knows? But uh, our guest here today, Frank Dippold, he is from Livingston, New Jersey. I grew up in Livingston, New Jersey. And I had no idea until just a couple years ago what you actually did. And I didn't realize how closely aligned we are with what we do and, mm-hmm. and how you live your life and what we do. So it's, it just, it proves to me how small the world is because I went out, I was in the personal, I was in the personal training uh, industry for a while. And then I got into real estate and then I always knew who Frank Dippold was. I always knew for you and I knew Matt and your, your brother, but I never understood what you did. And it was only until I got into real estate when all of a sudden it all came together. And I'm like, wait, I was in the same town as you. You graduated from the same high school as me. So um, I'm very excited about this episode here if today. you're excited, I'm excited. Yeah. So, Frank, welcome to the show. Let's welcome, Frank. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> welcome to the Mike and Matt show. Great stuff. Yeah. yeah. we're really. I'm actually really excited to talk to you today. I think. I actually think there's going to be a lot of benefit a little later in the, in the podcast about it's a crazy world out there. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy world out there. And I think the most... The, the, as many perspectives as we can get on what's going on and what's going to go on, I think is just, that's the best value we can bring in a lot of different ways. So I'm really excited to get your, pers- you know, your perspective, your vision, your opinion on what's going on. So thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Yeah. No worries. So Frank, we were just talking about it off air before the show. You graduated in 89, LH, uh, Livingston High School, yes, class sir. of 89. Yep. Wow. Long time ago. I was born in 88. Mikey. I was born in 87. Do you know that it's actually, I'm about to... I just dated myself and we just lost like 50% of our viewers. No. No, like These are children on this podcast. These are children. <laughs> Listen, it's all about how you feel. Age is just a number. Oh, I but, feel uh, great. They're going to look at us and be like, these are children. All right. Well, f- I help the age part. <laughs> so that'll balance You bring it. up the average? Yeah, exactly. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... If, you, you grew up in Livingston. Obviously, we grew up together. Your family, our family, very close. Um, before you got into real estate, Frank was actually a baseball player. Ooh. I am a Ooh. baseball aficionado, a baseball I fanatic. I, was I love say, baseball. Aficionado is not the word I can use for you. Really? Fanatic is the word. Fanatic? But what aficionado about aficionado? Aficionado is like you like wine. You, I you are, love you are all of what baseball all, is. All summer. Hey, Matt, what are you doing this weekend at the game? Oh, what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing the day after the game? I'm at the game again. Oh, what are you mm-hmm. what are you doing uh, on Monday? I'm still at the game. I'm not going to waste precious time on this podcast talking about how much I love baseball. But <laughs> Frank was actually a professional baseball player. You played for the New York Yankees, the Yankees organization, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. And yep. now you are a mortgage professional. You've been in the mortgage business for how many years? Since 2001 on the mortgage side, but I actually bought my first piece of real estate in '95. So okay. I was actually a real estate investor first. Ooh. How did that? So, okay. So if you, what were you doing prior to being a mortgage professional, you invested in real estate. How did that all happen? So quickly, when I signed professionally, I signed with the Minnesota twins organization, 1993. And, but that was the only thing I could think about. I was 
going to be a big league baseball player, like a little bit, literally chose a major in college that I thought was easiest just to have a high enough GPA what was to your play major? baseball. What was your major? History. But it wasn't easy. <laughs> I thought it was going to be easy. And I was like, wow, you have to memorize a lot of stuff. But anyway, I didn't make it. I should have made it. I probably should have tried a few more years. But my last year was with the Yankees in 1995. But I was young. I was only 25 when I was done. So I'm like, okay, what do I do now? Ironically, at the same time, my first piece of real estate came because my grandmother got sick. 193 East McClellan Avenue, you know, by where we grew up. And they had to sell the house. So it's actually some of the good lessons that I teach in the seminars is she didn't have it in a trust, right? It was just her house. Yeah. And when people get sick, they exhaust all the family assets, including real estate and cash, and to go to a nursing home because she had Alzheimer's, so we couldn't care for her anymore. So my father went to all the, you know, my brothers and sisters and cousins who wants this house, we're going to sell it. They didn't, they didn't want it. They're like, no, cause they don't think like I do. And true story. I had $13 in the bank. I said, I'll buy it. <laughs> but how you're, you're playing like I'm, I was a baseball player until I got into what I'm doing now. Like I've always had the abundance mentality. I always love working with people. I've always been growth minded, but like. You're playing baseball. Mm-hmm. Were you drafted right out of high school or did you go to college? College, first? and I didn't get drafted. That was disappointment number one was I was supposed to go in the 15th round with the St. Louis Cardinals. In 1993, we won the Division Three World Series at Montclair. Oh, you were Montclair State? Yeah, yeah we won the whole thing, Division Three. I landed nation in saves. Running. We had a great year. I had a dominant year. Um, three saves in the World Series, whole thing. Cardinals are taking you in the 15th round. Phone never rings. Literally standing in my mother's kitchen like... For three days, phone never rang. So then I signed a free agent contract okay, and played. And my first year was in Rochester, Minnesota, which was a really cool place. We were in like Sioux City, Iowa, Sioux, um, uh, South Dakota. We went to Duluth, Minnesota. We just, we did the whole, you know, it was fun. I can't imagine what that life was like. It was just fun. Can't. We were like rock stars. <laughs> Yeah, we're that's like what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I, I can't imagine, you know, I, I have no analog for what that's, that could be like. Yeah. Yeah. So when you had the opportunity to buy the home, you're like, I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's it. <laughs> well, how did you make Here's it happen? How it happened. <laughs> um, I solicited my uncle Dean on my mother's side of the family who actually had a job and had money because he's 10 years older than me. And so I don't remember exactly because I didn't know anything about mortgages then. I was, a, I was a borrower, but I wasn't adding any value because I had no income and no assets. So it must have all been on Dean. Right? We bought the house together. And it was immediately a rental. We didn't move into it. We just turned it into a rental. And it was, you know, obviously because it was a family house, I got it at the right price. If I tell you the number, you'll, you'll throw up because it was so cheap. Well, that's, yeah. yeah it's years crazy later, what those houses were like. Yeah. And it was a little cape that my grandfather, prefab cape, built in 1953, Four walls showed up. They put it together, whatever. <laughs> and uh, my, my father, my Uncle Johnny, grew up in the house. And then years later, my Uncle Dean wanted to make that his family house when he got married. So he, he bought me out and went crazy. Now it's a big, you know, big, huge house. Um, and so my first lesson is, number one, people have to do things the right way from an estate planning perspective, right? Because back then it was a three-year look back. If my grandmother had given or put the assets in my father's name three years earlier... Medicaid can't touch it, right? Now there's a five-year look back. So all of the assets got dissolved, nursing home, whole nine yards. But number two, part of the velocity money, which you'll explain, is I bought real estate in the 90s and it went up in value and I thought I was smart. 
And in 2005, when I was buying real estate and it went down in value, I was like, well, maybe I'm not so smart. So we created a formula around getting away from just the appreciation-minded psychology that America has. But we'll get to that later. Okay. Um, I feel like we should just go right into that right now. Yeah, I mean, this is more of just telling, you know, we, we kind of got the, the background, you know, and I, I mean, I could do a whole podcast just asking them about what it was like being on the road in Rochester, Minnesota, but, you know, we can't do that right now. But maybe give us the, the you know, the high, you talked about velocity of money. I want to hear more about that and maybe like the journey to this moment, right? Like kind of maybe the quick the quick background on, you know, Frank, the not baseball player, but, mm-hmm. the, but uh, you know, the real estate entrepreneur. Um, where, who are you to like, tell me about who you are today. And then we can, di- I say we jump right into velocity of money. Got to work backwards a little bit. So who I am today. So married, five kids. We just 15 months ago moved to Sarasota, Florida area. I got out of Jersey. I was like, I'm done with the cold weather. Um, but ironically, 70 or 80% of my mortgage business is still here. So I come back a lot. But what happened was I bought real estate in the 90s and was in the telecom industry. This is actually a sad but true story, which seemed cool at the time, but not so cool. I was part of a company called Net2000 in 2001 that went public. I was in charge of New Jersey. So we were like a local long distance provider. My, I had 80,000 stock options at like a dollar and our stock went to $38 on day one. So at 29 years old on paper, I'm worth like 4 million bucks. This is amazing. The problem was you couldn't exercise or sell it for a year. So by the time that happened, September 11th happened, 2001, the company went out of business a month later. Wow. My stock was worthless. So it was like, wow, kind of hit the lottery, but didn't. <laughs> so in 2001, after that happened, I was like, the telecom industry imploded. You know, that the whole dot-com thing just imploded. They were one of the last companies to get out IPO. Then it stopped. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what I was going to do because I already owned three properties. And I, and I was understanding a little bit, but not really. The mortgage guys I was giving loans to, I started to look at, back then it was called the HUD-1, right? I think these guys are making a lot of money on me. Like, maybe I should do this, right? But nobody ever purposely gets into the mortgage business. You just fall into it somehow. Mm-hmm. So I went to this guy, Greater New Jersey Mortgage. I don't even know how I met him. He was, he was in Edison, Sam Doshi. And he says, fill out this $100 solicitation fee. There was no license. And you give me loans and I'll give you 65%. So I started, I started telling my friends I was in the mortgage business. Gave him three loans. In the like second month, he wrote me a check for 15 grand. Wow. I'm like, <laughs> I guess I'm in the mortgage business. This, wow. this, this is amazing. So it just happened by accident. And then I don't know if you know the name Jason Geary, but he's also a Livingston guy. We played high school baseball together. Great guy. He was leaving an industry. I brought him into the mortgage business. And by 2004, we started Celebrity Mortgage. And back then, I was just giving everybody and their mother, like it birthed so many really good mortgage people. I gave everybody and their mother the best, because all we wanted to do was grow. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was profit-minded at the time. I think I was like testosterone-minded. Like I'm just just gonna acquire everybody. And we had, we had 150 LOs. We did 600 million in, uh, gross closings in the second year. Wow. And I think I might've made like a hundred grand. And I think I had LOs making $2 million. So, but it was great because we grew and we, we knew a lot of people. So from 2004 to 2008, we had a nice mortgage company. Then 2008 happened. We had to shut the company down eight months later. I probably shouldn't have, I didn't have to, but I kind of did. 
And then I had a journey where I worked for Wells Fargo a little bit and started another company in 2013. Um, but getting to Velocity Money in 2018, when rates sort of skyrocketed, I read a book called The Blue Ocean Strategy, which talked about how do you differentiate yourself in a commoditized market, right? Lenders, realtors, we all have the same stuff. But how do you be different and better? I said, you know what? I'm going to write a seminar. And what birthed the seminar, back to what I said earlier, was when I bought stuff and it went up in value, I thought I was smart. And then I bought stuff and it went down in value, I thought I was stupid. It has nothing to do with that. If you play the appreciation game, you're subject to the cyclical nature of the real estate market. You're going to get in trouble. So I was like, well, okay, when did I do well? It's cash flow. It's always about cash flow. Now, you guys obviously are flip guys, and, and I'm a long-term buy and hold guy, and then I also created strategies inside of that to show the flip people when to keep the property because a lot of them panic. Oh, I was supposed to make 50 grand. Now I'm going to make 10. I got to just dump it. Not necessarily. We might be able to take the money out that you invested and keep it as an investment and then have somebody else pay it off for you. So I started looking at all these formulas like a mad scientist for a while and then just started presenting to people. And I would get 100, 200 people in the room and the seminars were free just to teach people about real estate to get loans. And I've literally done six, 700 loans just from the seminars. Um, and the biggest thing that I teach everybody now is, guys, it's all about cash on cash return. I, I have this thing called the power four. If you follow the power four in potentially investing in a piece of real estate, you can never lose because it has nothing to do with value. Because then step two is teaching them how to keep three pieces of real estate and put it in a trust for generational wealth. So it's how do you get in as inexpensively as possible? And then how do you keep it using somebody else's money to pay it off? So we were on fire, 2018, 19, 20. I probably had three, 4,000 people in seminars. And what really got popular early, I'm sure Matt's heard of it, you might not have heard of it, was this product I trademarked called 321 and Done. It was how to buy a three-family, owner-occupied, live in it, FHA, then after a year move out, buy a two-family, live in it, then after a year buy a one-family, and all, the whole time you're doing low down payment, owner-occupied loans, it's a million dollars in real estate for less than 40000 out of pocket. So everyone went crazy with that. I had hundreds of pre-approvals all over the street. Now, whether they won the bid or not on the multis is another story, but... Then I was like, okay, if I want to be a nationwide seminar company, I got to create something because there's not multis everywhere. Then the next product was single family fast track. Same exact thing. Buy a single, buy a single, buy a single. You got to get people when they're 25, 30, because by the time they're married with two kids, it's harder to get them to move a few times. Yeah. And then I created one two years ago called 030 for Heroes, which is to show how the current military or retired military can get into real estate by using VA loans sort of. Same theory. So I love teaching people about real estate. 99% of America has an interest in real estate, but is afraid to buy it because everybody talks about what? Flipping and appreciation. And I'm like, that's great. If you're a flipper, you better be good at what you do, but appreciation will get you in trouble. I have a foolproof plan to show everyday Americans how to retire using real estate because they all think they have to be wealthy to do it. They don't. It's just a formula that they have to follow. What's amazing is how so many people don't realize that just time 
the power of time by just holding on to these assets. Mm -hmm. They're going to. It's it's one of the only asset classes. Yes, people can argue about the stock market. You could see, you know, the Dow over the last 30 years. It's pretty much a straight incline, but you've had all those ups and downs. Real estate is a consistent vehicle of growth mm -hmm. if you're going to invest. What I want to unpack, because you just literally went with everything, gave which, you the is, whole which <laughs> yeah. is amazing. Yeah. I want to know first if I'm somebody, because you said we deal with a lot of people that fix and flip. Mm -hmm. And then naturally in their journey, they naturally go to, I'm going to hold on to the properties because it's like hitting a home run. Mm -hmm. We're baseball guys. You can hit home runs over and over and over, but it's not easy to just wake up every day and hit a home run when you can just have an automatic single for you every day, yep. which is like these rental properties. Yep. So what would you say if you're somebody who's flipping properties, how do I know when I should either flip it or hold on to it. Yeah. What's your advice? That's the reverse engineer on my, on my yield calculation. So, so yield is your money invested, right? So you put 50 grand down, whatever, divided by the cash flow. So say the property could make 10,000 a year. 10,000 divided into 50, right? 20% yield. So with flip people, we just take the same exact formula and we reverse engineer how much are you leaving buried in the property, right? And what would your cash flow be? And if it has a 13% number or more, you keep the property. Okay, so that's the number, 13%. 13. Now, here's the gap that I always talked about and the synergy with us, right? And I talk to people about your stuff all the time. One of my slides at the seminars, do you want to be into real estate for free? Of course, everybody wants to be in real estate for free. You do a fix and flip, get money from you guys, say they have to invest 40,000 of their own money, right? Some lenders on the DSCR, which I know is a product you guys have, will do a 90 day um, new appraisal. Some want six months new appraisal. If the thing has 20% or 30% new value because you bought it right, you can do 80 cash, 80% cash out, take all your money out, put it back for the next project, and then keep it as a long-term buy and hold. Now, part of the real estate investors, 95% of the real estate investors, nobody wants to pay Uncle Sam, right? One of my slides is, who's the most cheated on guy in America? <laughs> Literally, I laugh That's every good. time. Yeah, and I show his freaking hat and everything, oh, and he's sitting cute. there like this. He's the most cheated on guy in America. So every single person that invests in real estate goes to their account and says, I do not want to pay taxes. Figure it out, <laughs> right? They're making up repairs. There's losses. They don't use depreciation properly, by the way. Part of my power four, box three, is depreciation. For us, in underwriting, depreciation is the best thing to slice bread because we can give it back. But no CPAs use it, or very few use it, and they write off repairs and losses. So moral to the story is fix and flip, DSCR, then at some point when we get to the people that are real estate investors, we teach them how to show an appropriate amount of money to qualify for a regular loan because obviously the carrying costs go down dramatically if they get a conventional investment loan. And then we, look, great. You flip for a living? Wonderful. Do 15 of those. Let me show you how to keep one a year just, for three yeah, or four just years. Put it, put it aside. And then you're good. Start like, building I, your... I made a lot of mistakes too. I mean, I bought and sold over 50 properties. How many do I have now? Five. It's not good. So is that, is that what you would say is probably your biggest mistake as a real yes, estate Yes, getting investor? rid of any of my real estate. I would not, I would probably be sitting here because I like you guys, but I wouldn't be sitting here. <laughs> I wouldn't be sitting here because I need to still do loans to pay bills. Look, I bought a two family with a guy from Livingston and he, his idea, it was just a flip. 
It was a two-family in Bloomfield, like pristine, beautiful two-family, 144000 in Bloomfield. I think we like flipped it and made like eight grand each. Like, that's nuts. That's an $850,000 property right now. Oh. Hey, let me ask you a question. So do you know the number? How, what's the number of how often real estate doubles in America historically over the last 300 years? How often does real estate double, double in America? I'm going to say every 30 years. 18 and a half years. Oh. It doubles. Have you heard of the rules of 72? No. So you take the interest rate that you're earning, 4%, for example, and you divide it into 72. And that's how long it takes your money to double. So if, if, you, earn, if you take 100 grand and you put it with a financial planner and you earn 4%, 18 years later, because 4 into 72 goes 18 times, that 100's 200. And then 18 years after that, that 200's 400. So if you buy real estate... I don't care what you buy it for, 600 grand today, and you know, just keep tenants in there or whatever you do, it will be worth 1.2 million in 18 years. Rule, Crazy. <clears throat> now, rule of 72. How, how long does it take rents to double over the last 30 years? Right now, historically, it's been every 12 years. So what I teach is, in any business, if you have a constant level expense, right, like a 30-year fixed mortgage, and taxes go up a little bit, especially in New Jersey, but you have rising revenues, which is rents, that's a good business. Like if we owned a Subway franchise and the cost of the meat and the bread never went up, but the cost of the, the sandwiches always went up from a sale perspective, it's a good business. People don't get real estate. Like people, you know, it's owner-occupied mentality versus investor mentality. It's one or the other. And I try to help people transition in their minds because owner-occupied is white picket fence, right? Baby, dog, whatever, husband, wife. I want to live there. And then investor is a, is a different psychology. And oftentimes in a marriage, somebody's mixing that up and is like a little confused. You know, the guys usually want to be like, no, I want to invest in real estate, right? But the wives are like, you know, no, it's not safe. It's actually really safe if you follow the right formula. Well, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, I, I talk about it a lot you know, on our podcast that I say like the one thing they don't make more of is, is land. Like this is it. Like what we have is what we have. You can build houses, you can tear them down, you can build them again. You just can't build more of it. Like, you know, what we have is, is this is a finite resource. And so if you can get your hands on a, on something that everybody wants, right. Cause everybody, everybody needs to live somebody somewhere. Everybody wants to live somewhere. Like you can't, there, there's no way to change that. So if you can get your hands on something that everybody wants and everybody needs and is, it's, it's a fundamental part of life, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, the, that's you know, what you're talking about but where, where you're saying, oh, the fear of like it's not safe to get into real estate. It's not unsafe. I mean, it's, it's, it's the only thing. Like stocks will come and go. Companies will come and go. You know, you know everybody, you know, Apple today is one of the biggest companies in the world and, you know, it almost wasn't. It almost was nothing, right? It was a crater in the ground, could you know it was almost gonna just be nothingness right like all that stuff will come and go the stock market will come and go and the building that we're sitting in right now the piece of land we're sitting on right now that's gonna be here every year just keeps getting growing it keeps growing so it's like you know having spent a decade now in real estate you got i gotta look at and say this is the only this is not the only thing but this is the this is the one of the smartest things. This is this is the legacy. This is yeah. the legacy investment, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I got two more. I, I'm kind of doing the interview with you guys. I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but, it's like, fine by me. I, I got two more things that I say to people that I want to ask you guys. So, 
it, you know, I ask people at the seminars or my coaching courses, is real estate an asset or a liability? And they go, it depends. Correct. They go, some say assets, some say liability. The answer is it's both, right? Because it's actually a liability if we have to go to work to pay our mortgage at home, but it's an asset if it's an investment property and it spits off income. Yeah. Right. Either, so are you paying for it or right. is it paying you? Correct. Exactly. And that is the big distinction. What would you say the people that have gone to all of your seminars, you've been doing this since 2018, right? Mm -hmm. What would you say are the biggest misconceptions or I guess maybe the, the, what is the thing they walk in with and, and it's the one thing that everybody gets wrong? Well, part, part of the reason why I want to start with the people earlier is life beats people up, right? So um, people think equity in their home is an asset. It is once you sell the house, right? But if, if we look at a pie chart for an individual, 40 years old, married, two kids, whatever, they might have 250000 in equity in their home. But if you look at the rest of their assets in America, historically, savings accounts are low. Maybe there's a little 401k, if anything. Credit card debt's high. Student loan debt's high. So I'm like, guys, it's actually more risky for you not to use some of the equity to buy more real estate. Now, if you were doing it speculatively because you don't know what you're doing and you're just, you know, appreciation, yeah, you can get yourself in trouble. But if you do it based on the cash flow model, right, it's monopoly when we were 10 years old. Right. You're, all you're doing is taking this pie chart. And if I said to you when you were 23, hey, Matt, do you want to buy real estate and put zero down? You'd yeah. say, yeah. And do you want to buy real estate and put zero down if it's got cash flow? Yeah. And, and then somebody else will pay it off for you and it'll double and you'll, you'll retire with twelve to 15000 a month in cash flow and two to $3 million worth of real estate? I'd say yes. Probably, yeah, right? <laughs> well, that's equity in the home, right? Like, so we could literally take 20% out of the home for the down payment on the real estate. The real estate's going to have cash flow. It's going to get paid off. It's going to double in value every 18 years. And it's the American dream. So when I go to a seminar, when I do a seminar, there's three, there's three people in the room. First time home buyer, whether they're renting or living with mom and dad, whatever. Current homeowner, right? And then group three is people who consider themselves to be real estate investors. Um, a lot of guys want to flip. They come to my seminar and go, well, I really wanted to flip. Okay, that's great. We'll help you do that. But we'll also help you keep a few. So depending on where they're at in life, um, I'm educating all of them because they're the, the, the beauty of the power four, which is the analyzation tool that we use is it takes property values and interest rates out of the equation because if it has the yield, I don't care if rates are 11%, it has the yield. You have your cash flow, and when rates come back down, we're just going to refi anyway. So I see... I see a lot of things. Um, the biggest thing I see is in a marriage, when people have equity in the home, one of the two people in the marriage is terrified to touch the equity because they think that's increasing debt. And I'm like, there's good debt and bad debt. If you go buy a Lamborghini or if you have credit card debt, that's bad debt. But if you buy more real estate and you're using it properly and you follow my formula, it's great debt and it's going to create wealth. Do you think it's just because people are, we talk about it all the time because this is a concept that's brought up over and over, but just like the scarcity mindset that we live in. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how the world we live in, you do an amazing job in your seminars when you discuss what are the problems that most families and people are facing in this world that we live in. Yep. 
And it's just because the system is setting you up to fear, mm-hmm. to live in fear, mm-hmm. to live in well, scarcity. Well, I have a question to that because you just said something about how you try to get to people earlier, right? And I think a lot of what you're saying, Matt, comes from that too, right? Like, the system is set up because you don't learn about it until it's too late, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, there are the there are the people who buy their homes really young and and most of the time they just fall into it. The, yeah. the, that the intention the intentionality in buying a home when you're 21 or 22 because you just got married isn't to do what you're saying is to build wealth and, and, and all that. It's just, we bought I got to live somewhere. But I think, you know, a lot of it is people just, they don't look, they don't know that there's the other side to the game until it's too late. So you were saying you're trying to get in earlier with people on like, so, so maybe marry those things together, right? Like Matt's saying people have the scarcity mentality you're saying you need to get to them earlier. Mm-hmm. How does one affect the other and how do you do it, right? Because I, I feel if you got, you know, if you get to people soon enough, they're not going to see the scarcity mentality. They're going to, you know, this is a plan, like they're, you know, understanding how all this works because nobody teaches you. No, right. There's, there's no mechanism it's in the world to teach you how to do this, right? And Just yeah, mine. Cause, yeah, because you know what they do? They tell you to go to college, take on more debt. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then hopefully, right. maybe do something that will eventually maybe Listen, allow you to invest. It's, it's the same problem about how nobody teaches you how to use a checking account when you're, when you're yeah. in high school, exactly. right? Like, it's, yeah. it's all the same. Well, here's what it is. And this is why we're finally launching. Because my problem was always I did the seminars to get loans and I did the seminars for free. And I launched a coaching program. But it was kind of like I kind of half, you know, because I always did a lot of loans. So I was like, oh, that's great. I'm making money over here. But now we're really launching a nationwide program. And here's, here's the thing. First-time homebuyers would be completely insane if they save their communion money or their bar mitzvah money their whole life and they take 20% and they bury it into the first owner-occupied property. That's actually risky to me because the money's gone. The money's in their backyard. If I could show you, if you're a first-time homebuyer, how to buy three properties with that, right? 12 and a half or 13%, 15% all in, right? Now you have two people or two homes that are spitting off cash flow. Somebody else is paying it off for you. The velocity, no, you know, no pun intended or whatever, that they're gonna be wealthy comes so much sooner because like, think about this. It sounds ridiculous. I can show them how to buy a million dollars worth of real estate for 50 grand, 40 grand, 30 grand, depending on the market they're in, once, in their lifetime, somebody else is going to pay it off for them. It's going to be worth two and a half to three million dollars. They're going to have twelve to fifteen thousand a month in cash flow, or you could put money in a four hundred one k your whole life for thirty years. You know, eight thousand, nine thousand, ten thousand, fifteen thousand a year. And if you look at the math, which you've seen those slides, it spits off like thirty five grand a year in an annuity, a year. But meanwhile, you spent your whole life doing it. I'm showing people how to get rich in real estate by spending fifty grand once, right? So now. The psychology we're talking about, it's the people that fear retirement, right? That are 40, 45, 50 years old that I have a little bit of leverage with to say, okay, you're now a little older and you're getting concerned. Are you ready to listen now? Because I'll show you the math between 401k, you know, college savings plans, credit card debt, all the things that you're living into. Because let's face it. The government wants us to do certain things, yeah. right? The 401k, I mean, come on. You're, you're theoretically like, oh, you know, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket when you're 65 years old? No. You're in a lower tax bracket when you're 24 and you start working. So why do they want us 
to take it then because they could tax us at a higher rate because we have more assets. So it's, you know, it's set up for the government to win. But the nice thing is Fannie, Freddie, and FHA are all owned by the government and nowhere else in the world, I mean, I don't really know much about how to get loans anywhere else but America, where else could you put 3.5% down on a home? So that's something I want you to just quickly touch on because I could guarantee you I was one of these people until I understood the system and, and how it works, I always thought you needed to put 20% down. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Because obviously you were just saying, well, I'm going to show you how to buy three properties mm-hmm. at three yeah. and a half. Why is it that so many people think a conventional loan, you immediately think I got to put 20% down? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's actually surprising to me. So to, to further what you said, and I'm going to give you that answer, there's never been the right first time homebuyer education. Like, think about it. Somebody goes, they want to buy a house, they hit it, they go to a realtor, and the realtor says, call my mortgage guy. The mortgage guy or girl gives them a pre-approval. Meanwhile, the homeowner, potential homeowner, is insecure. Maybe the mortgage person's a good communicator, maybe they aren't, but they kind of give them just enough information to keep it moving because all they want to do is close the thing and get a commission, right? And the realtor's like, okay, you can buy up to 500, great, let's go, let's go look at houses. I don't do that. I say, you're going to spend 20 minutes, me or my team, we're going to educate the heck out of you. So I created a first-time homebuyer series that has nine modules that I'm going to be selling very inexpensively in my seminars that like is worth 50 grand worth of information, how to get the best interest rate, how to pay less closing costs, how to save money over the life of the loan, how to pay it off early, all these things. So to answer your question, I'm not sure why, probably because the people that solicit mortgages, the big banks, the bankers, the brokers, really just care about closing the thing and get paid a commission. I actually care about people. I want to help 10,000 everyday Americans retire using real estate. That's, that's literally my goal. So, I mean, FHA is three and a half. Everyone's like, yeah, first-time homebuyer loan. It's actually not a first-time homebuyer loan. It's an FHA loan. You could have 30 FHA loans in your life. You just can't have more than one at a time. Fannie Mae has a 3% down product. Nobody knows that. Fannie Mae has a 5% down product. So does Freddie Mac. So these products are out there. Um, people don't realize with FHA, you always have to have mortgage insurance if you put less than 20% down. Well, Fannie, Freddie, yes, you have to, but they don't realize that you could put 10% down on a, on a Fannie Mae loan, conventional loan, and buy out the mortgage insurance at closing. So America heard from grandma, right? This is another story I tell. Yes. Grandma went through the Great Depression, or great-grandma at this point, and there was no law that said that the note couldn't be called. So when the savings loan thing happened, everybody lost their jobs. People in soup kitchen lines, they were like, pay your loan off. And they're like, I, I don't even have money to feed my family. I can't pay my loan off. So they got foreclosed on. But in 1937, FDR, FDR passed within the new deal, a clause that said, if you're paying your mortgage on time, you could never get foreclosed on. Now they could sell the note, but the terms and condition of the note apply. So grandma, great grandma, mortgages were bad. It was a necessary evil, right? Mortgages were never used to create wealth. And the people that get that create wealth. So but my job is to change people's psychology and understand if mortgage, like where else in America, where else other than in America, could we buy assets at 96 and a half? Like imagine if somebody said, hey, you could buy stock at at three and a half percent down on the value of the stock. Are you kidding me? Like if, if, yeah. And if anything, like once we have money, like then we can margin at two to one, but that's when we, they have our money, Right. So, so you could borrow 96.5% and then the next person would be like, yeah, but then I have too high of a mortgage payment. Yes. But what I'm talking about is 
buying it owner occupied, looking at through the eyes of an investor, because in year two, you're going to move out. So we've already done the cash flow analysis today. And if that all works, then don't worry about it because somebody else is paying it for you. So half of it is just, let's face it, America's financially inept. And I'm not saying that because I'm being egotistical. I'm saying that because we're like a bunch of like, you know, we just, we're kind of like sheep. We just follow the well, trend. there's nobody teaching them. They're not teaching it. Nobody, where? Where, where is somebody teaching that? They're not. I mean, you're teaching it now, but I'm saying where in the normal course of someone's life are they learning this? They're not. And, and you know what I've done, who I've done really well with? Somebody my age whose kid's in college or just got done with college and they just spent umpteen amounts of dollars for their kid to be in college and they go, man, I could get my kid started in real estate for 13000 on the first down payment? Like, heck yeah. So I've had a lot of fathers come to my seminars and bring their kid to the next one and I've had lots of kids because here's another little myth I'll tell you about mortgage guideline. When you're one day out of college, if you get a salary job, you're eligible for a mortgage right away. Oh, There's no two think, year. Yeah, people think you need to have multiple two years. years. Two years is on commissions or hourly wages. If you go get a salary right out of college, eligible right now. So it's wonderful. So a lot of times mom and dad would give people the 3.5% down. We'd show them the formula and boom, they buy a property. We need to make this. And I know this is part of your mission. And, and I think what you want to have as a legacy is showing as many as many people as possible that this is everyone has access to this mm -hmm. but the key is you have to be open-minded and you gotta you know you have to be you know you have to have access to this information so you know obviously having you on here today is amazing um you know the relationship working with you we're looking forward to continually um helping investors helping people who want to take control back with their lives with their finances knowing that this is possible. And, and the three, two, one and done system is incredible. The fact that now you have the singles, cause you said sometimes multis yep. are not available. Right. And then even further than that, you now have this last layer, which is for veterans, it's you crazy. know, the people that literally keep us safe every single yeah. day. And now they have this opportunity through some of the VA programs that are available. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, they have that opportunity. I mean, the, I think what you're doing for the veterans is amazing too, because a lot of them join up to go to college, right? To pay for, you know, and my, my own father, when, when he, when he left Brooklyn college, he went to school in Illinois. He joined the, the U the army reserves in the, in the sixties. And when he finally came to buy our family house in the seventies, he got a, he got a GI loan, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, back then, whatever, I think that's what they called it back then. Yeah. It was the GI loan. He bought our the house my mother lives in today with that money. It's crazy. You know, and, and yeah. that, but that's why he did it. He wanted to pay for school and he, he knew, he knew then that he would get the benefit of being able to buy a house and that was what he wanted in life. You know, like, and I think being able to show, you know, veterans that, hey, this, what you're doing is, it's not just for today, it's for tomorrow. And there's, there is a future, there's so much, you know, I think it's empowering people's decisions, you know, and making sure that everybody realizes that some of these choices are not last resort choices, right? Sometimes, you know, there are people who want to join because, you know, their life's mission is to, is to serve and protect, right? And then take care of the country. And they have a deep, you know, rooted feeling for that patriotic feeling. And some people are like, hey, this is my, my gateway to go do something else. And don't even realize all the benefits they have when right. they're in it, right? Right? It's just, it's just the next thing. And so I think that's incredible, but... I think I go back to like, you know, just the education. Like how do we, 
not just this, right? Cause this is, this is a big part of people's lives. You know, they say buying your, you know, your first home is like one of the most important decisions you ever make, but it's also just, you know, just the lack of just general financial education mm-hmm. for the masses. And yeah. I think that's a, yeah, it's a huge problem also. Like they give you credit cards at 18, but they don't tell you how it works. Right. You know, they, they don't tell you how to open a bank account. Somebody, you know, you, you go to we, your first job. We, we open up a business and we can't even get a bank account. That open. is true. The bank, well, bank would give us a bank account. I know and, what I'm doing. And, and if you're a student and you want to borrow $200,000, all you got to do is sign a piece of paper and you got $200,000 yeah. and you'll have well, that debt for the rest of your life. Yeah. And think about this, like the, the, um, the sales pitch for college starts early. Now it's big, right? With college football, with, you know, who's wearing a Michigan sweatshirt or whatever and all these things. And it is literally a giant sales pitch. You know that the, the college endowments, right? The, the colleges, it's tax-free. So some of the biggest pots of gold cash are the universities because imagine if we could grow our money tax-free all the time. It's amazing. So I talk to the student loans about this all, uh, the, the, the seminar people about this all the time. The student loans are a huge pet peeve of mine because how many of you have, you guys might've done it or a lot of our clients have done it. Well, yeah, no, when I graduated, they said I didn't have to pay it for a while. I'm like, have you heard of negative amortization? <laughs> no. Okay. So it's illegal in mortgages because it happened in 2008 where, where, where you're allowed to make no payment or a minimum payment that actually makes your balance grow every month. So you graduate from Rutgers, you have $100,000 in student loan debt because that's the only way you can pay for because that's the American dream. And I just got to get there because it's a pretty sweatshirt and I want to party for four years, right? And then you owe 100. Okay, that's bad enough. But, oh, I was told I didn't have to pay it. So by the time you start paying it four years later, now you owe 120. That's insane. I think that's a small number. Right. They think I think it's, it's more than 120. Right, exactly. <laughs> like they think it's, you know. So I'm like, whoa, time out. We have to educate you. So that's why the only negative that anybody ever said about my seminars was it's too much information at once. Like they come and it's like drinking from a fire hose. So what I've done is I've, I've modularized things where that's why I did the first time homebuyer series because it all starts with the first time homebuyer. If we can get a young guy or girl, maybe before they have a couple kids and show them how to buy a few properties, teach them the power four mentality, show them the spreadsheet, get them to buy a couple properties. We're going to change their life. We're going to change the generational wealth and the history of what goes on in that family, right? Then we got to get some of the stubborn people at 40, 45 or 50 that are a little stuck, but worried about retirement to understand it's not too late. Yeah. With the right formula. We can get this thing paid off in 12 years. Like, and, are you kidding me? Yeah. You do the three, two, one and done. You could do that in a span of five years, couple years. Yeah. You really have. You want to hear a really cool story? Yeah. I'll tell you about my friend, Rob, who you, you may know. Um, he had a huge real estate portfolio in 2005, six, seven and eight, but a lot of it was in Newark and a few other places. And I don't know what formula he was using, but it got to be too much. And actually he had to unravel all that real estate. It got to the point, raised girls in Short Hills, New Jersey. It got to the point where um, he was finally like, you know what? I'm even sick of this single family house I live in in Short Hills. It's a million four house. It's costing me whatever per month. They did whatever, sold it. He was just starting an insurance business. And, and he knew a lot about real estate, but then came to one of my seminars and it gave him sort of like a refresher in his mind. He ends up selling the house, buying a two family in Seaside Park, 600 grand, three and a half percent down. It's a three family. I'm sorry. It cash flows. 
he's paying $800 or $1,000 a month to live there. They have a beautiful, and it's worth double of what he bought it for, right? So it was almost like a reset for him. All the real estate he owned, he then went back. He's like, I'm going to do three, two, one, and done. Like, that's what I'm going to do. He's got a three now. They'll eventually be in Florida six months a year. He's going to buy probably a single family in Florida. Because you could do three, one, one, yeah. right? <clears throat> I really like four, three, two, one, and done the best, but it didn't rhyme. <laughs> Literally, it didn't rhyme. But if somebody could buy a four, a three, a two, they're going to be filthy rich in 20 years. They're going to have $4 million in real estate. They're going to have 30 grand a month in cash flow. But three, two, one is great too, but it could be any combination. It's, just, it's going back to what you said. Everybody thinks it's 20% down no matter what. And everybody also thinks if I put 3.5% down, my mortgage payments are going to be high. And I'm like, hey, like every 10,000 you put down, you know how much you save? No. 60 bucks, 60 bucks. So I'd rather see you, even if whatever, I'd rather see you with $120 higher payment and 20,000 more in the bank, mm -hmm. right? Then put all your money down because, you know, God forbid you lose your job in 15 years, the banks actually foreclose on the properties with the most equity first because they can get their money out. So it is just a matter of, and that's why I started with the first time homebuyer seminar series because I want to get to the people on the basic level I want to get them into their first home and I want to train them from the beginning. And then if people are a little older, we just got to, you know, smack them around a little bit to get them to wake up to say, it's not too late. I have equity in my home. You know, Colonel Sanders was 80 or whatever the heck they say. But I had a lady raise her hand at the seminar and say, I'm 49. It's too late for me. I'm like, you kidding? You might live to 90. But that's a mindset issue. Yep. My mother, she's, she's, she's about to be 70 and she doesn't realize like, the, like I don't know if you know Chris Crone. Chris Crone's like I'm gonna I'm gonna live to 125 years old, yeah. and yeah. He, he might. You never yeah. know. I mean, you just look at life expectancy now; it just keeps getting higher and higher and higher. People don't realize that we have so much time. Even yep. Gary V talks about it. Yeah, it's 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 all mindset at the end of the day. But money erodes, real estate asset grows. It's if once it's paid off, it's a perpetuating event for generational wealth. Meaning. If rents are doubling every 12 years, even if they double every 20 years, once the house is paid off, that's only going to grow year after year. So you put it in a trust, you put rules in the trust, which disallow the children from ever selling the real estate, right? You put a 15 or 20% management fee, whatever. You spit off 50% of it to the, to the children for income. And then you leave 20 or 30% for ongoing maintenance. Like for 40 grand, we can change our great, great, great grandchildren's lives. So let me ask you this question as we just to pivot away from that and, and kind of talk a little bit about today, like we're talking about all these things people can do. Right. And then, you know, I think I just want to talk about fear because mm -hmm. right? I think people are afraid. And I think we're right now we're in a, we're in a place where, especially you're talking about first time home buyers, like there's a ton of fear. Mm -hmm. And what, what's the fear? The fear is the mortgage rates are 8%. Yep. Everybody feels like they missed out. Oh man, COVID, I didn't get that 2% loan. You know, and, you know, asking you, like, this is something that you've been working on for the better part of what, you know, when, you know, when you started all of this. Like 30 years. 30 years, right? So we're, we're looking at this. What do you see out there? And, and how would you assail someone's fears and say, mm -hmm. hey, yeah, mortgages are 8%. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you why this still works. I'm going to tell you why real estate is vibrant because a lot of the messaging coming out is that everything is about to go to hell and yeah. hell in a handbasket, yeah. right? Yeah. Like and you know, the world's about to implode. And, and every time we all feel like it's about to happen, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I, we, we watch we watch the markets every day. We see what goes on. You know, we're working with 
residential institutional capital on a daily basis to run alpha. And every time we think it's about to, everything's about to go, it doesn't. So that's because they want to control us. Absolutely. Yes. But, but the truth is there is, like you said, there is an economic cycle. There is a cycle to this. There is economics to this. So, so maybe talk, talk to us a little bit about what's happening today. And what do you think is going to happen Short-term, long-term, 18 well, months, 24 yeah, months. You, you walked into, and we didn't practice this, so this is going to be <laughs> this is gonna be the answer to your question. You walked right into it. Here's what I train realtors on. Literally, I just started this training six months ago. What do you say if you're a realtor to a renter who says the following? I'm going to continue to rent because rates are high right now and values are high. They hear that all day long. Mm-hmm. What are realtors doing today? They stick their head in the sand. They're like, oh, I don't, have, I don't know. Here's what you say. If I could show you a way to put 20000 a year in your pocket every single year and that number actually grows, would you then at least let us show you the math? Right? So you're, you guys are like, okay, what's 20 grand? Here's the 20 grand. Tax deductibility. No first-time homebuyers understand tax deductibility. If you're in a you know, $100,000 job and you're in a 25% tax bracket and you write off your interest in tax, I show people on the whiteboard, right? Because it's math. If you, pay, if you pay 25 grand in interest and taxes on your mortgage and you're in a 25% tax bracket, you're getting 25% of the interest and taxes you paid back as a check from the government. First time homebuyers don't believe me. I always say to them, okay, well then split the money with me when you get it. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. so, so they get four to 6,000 back, literally in a form of a check if they're a W-2 employee. That's number one. Number two, amortization. They don't understand that. Four to 6,000 gets paid off the loan. Okay, so now we're at 11000 already. If we take 3% appreciation on a $400,000 purchase, just conservatively, that's another twelve. Now, real estate's at like 3.9% historically. So just by buying instead of renting, I don't care where rates are, you're going to put 20000 a year in your pocket this year and every other year. So if you're not ready to digest that, fine. But this is the true math. You can't rent your whole life. There's reasons why there's benefits to home ownership. So I've been saying for the last eight months, right? Everybody and their mother wanted to buy real estate two years ago, right? Now, nobody wants to buy it. So I also have another slide that says, when was a better time to buy? And it shows them the depiction between paying 50,000 over ask and paying at ask, even though the rates are two or 3% higher, the payment's actually $74 less on a $400,000 loan. So it's actually a better time to buy now. Why? Because you owe 50 grand less. Now, there's certain towns in North Jersey that are still bidding wars, yeah. but I'm just talking about the whole country, <clears throat> right? So, so here's, here's my thing. I've been saying this to my kids since they were little. Tony Robbins taught me this at a seminar. It's fear is false evidence that appears real, right? False evidence that, that appears, appears real. real. That's all it is. And I, do, I choose not to live that way. Like even during COVID, everyone's like, oh, why are you traveling? I'm like, because I'm not going to live in fear. I'm, I'm just not. So now- how do we mitigate fear with real estate? We go back to the power four. We understand owner-occupied versus investor. We understand that it's not, it's not you know, emotion, it's math. So math is not emotional as long as we follow the math. Now, if it's a first-time home buyer, you can't rent. I'm putting 20 grand a year in your pocket by showing you the formula. You can't rent. So let us just show you the math. And oh, by the way, you're gonna get it for 50 grand less. And if rates are seven and a half percent, when they go back down, because they will, then you're going to do a refi and you're going to save money. So I just think it's a matter of speaking the truth, showing people you care about them, and then showing them the math 
and we're going to move people along into doing it. You know, I think it's interesting as, as we, we wrap up, I think what I've heard for the, for the last hour is there is never, and we say this all the time, there is never a bad time to buy real estate. Correct. Never a bad time. Never. It's not, not every real estate deal is the right deal, but there's always good deals in any real estate mm-hmm. market. So, so, so like right now, everybody's like, oh, I don't want to buy, never a bad time to buy a piece of real estate. Correct. Correct. And if you look short term, there's only been one seven year period in the history of the country where real estate values went down. And that was 2006 to 2013. And then we had the biggest well, growth. Growth. But I think a lot of people also look and say, oh, that's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And, and they look at what's happening right now in the market. And, and this is just has to do with education. It's not the same thing. Right. You know, what, what's going on today is, is not even close to what was happening before. Correct. Yeah. The banks are so conservative and they're making loans. It's so much harder to get yeah. certain things. Not that it's harder, but like they're making better choices about, right. you know, what loans they're making. Unless they go back to what they were doing, which they're not. Right. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And, and it's two things. If it's owner-occupied, what's your long and short-term goal? Meaning, if you're going to be in the house five to seven years, you're fine. Because historically, it always goes up in value. If you're an investor and you follow my power four, I don't care what it's worth. I don't care if you bought something for 300 and five years from now it's worth 200 Why? Because you're not selling it and you're just doing it for cash flow. And if it has the cash flow, what happens in a market... As we finish up, what happens if what happened in 2008 happens again where liquidity dried up and lending dried up? What would happen to rents if that happened? If we had a crazy market crash? Nothing. They would go up. Why? Because less people could buy. Right. I mean, that's so, where we are now, though. I mean, right. that's, that's, I mean what, what happened all the way through the financial crisis? People, rents went up. Like rents, they went up because no people weren't buying as much. Right. So people, that's even and better. People for the have homeowner. to live somewhere. Right. That's the go. But we'll go all the way back to what we said in the very beginning when I was saying about real estate. People need to live somewhere. Yep. Not not want to. Not think it's a good idea. No. We as human, we need to live somewhere. Right. So that's never yep. going to change. It's the only way the everyday American is going to get wealthy. I'm I'm a I'm a true indication that IPOs don't happen because it actually <laughs> happened for right. me, but I couldn't get to the money. Right. To add insult to injury to that IPO, by the way, I threw 20000 on my own money because I believed in the company. Oh. <laughs> like, a, like a dumb idiot. So IPOs don't happen. You know, making a million dollars a year on Wall Street is really not happening as much. You could be an everyday American and make a modest living, follow the formulas, and be wealthy in 15 or 20 years if you and follow take it. back control. Right. Every, every day, people, and just as we start to wrap up here, so many people think that we are limited with what we have as opportunities, but it's all about mindset and also educating yourself, being around the right people. So for your uh, three, two, one and done program, the velocity of money, if people wanted to learn more about this, obviously we're going to be doing a lot more as our collaboration and our relationship grows together. Where can they find you and get more information? Yeah. A couple places. Hello at the velocity okay. That's a good one. We have, uh, you know, the velocity of money on TikTok. We're on all this, all the social channels. We do a lot of posting um, they could always send me an email too at VIP loans at team dipold.com D I P P O L D. Um, and yeah, we're just, we're just trying to help a lot of people. I think it's going to go past 10,000 people. I think that's the initial goal, but we, we can get to a greater number. I think we should make it a point today. We have this on record that we're going to blow this out of the water because this information 
should be taught to everybody. And it's I, I part of our mission at Alpha is we want to grow Alpha to a big company. Mike and I have a lot of different <laughs> plans, but legacy impact. I want more people to, to understand that they have opportunity because there's so many people out there that wake up every day and they think that their life is being dictated to them Yep. when they can realize that they can take back control. And it's just as simple as doing something like what you're teaching, which is, you know, from a financial standpoint, building a legacy for not just yourself, but also your family. Mm-hmm. Follow I, I, this. This. I just wish I knew this when I was 18 or 22. Well, here's the thing. Last thing about that. The self-employed borrower is the same as a person who thinks they have challenged credit, right? Do you ever talk to somebody who's like, oh, I don't have a good credit score? Well, is that a temporary problem or a permanent problem? Because the only thing that makes it permanent is your habits. So the same thing with the self-employed borrower, the realtors, the plumber, the electrician. Well, I don't show any money, so I can't buy a house. Is that temporary or permanent? Because I can speak to your CPA, and you think you have to show 300 grand to buy a house. You might only, you know, you might be able to show 70. Right. So self, that goes back to self-limiting, psychology. Yeah. self-limiting beliefs. That's right. We can show you how to show enough money. You're going to have to, I always say, last thing, I promise. You can't cheat the government and then get a government loan. If you're cheating the IRS, you're not going to get a Fannie Freddie or FHA loan. But I'm not saying you got to show 300 grand a year. I'm just saying show enough appropriate income to get yourself a few properties. And then whatever you do in your taxes in the future, fine. I'm not your CPA. Yeah. But I'm just going to show you how to, because it's not as hard to get a loan as people think it is. They just think it is because it goes back to psychology. So mm-hmm. we definitely have a message. We have a great synergy. I've always loved what you guys do. And and we're going to get, I'd rather have 10,000 or more everyday Americans buying real estate than the hedge funds gobbling them all up. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, everyone, I... Make sure you check Frank out. Make sure you go back. You listen to all the different places you can find him. Make sure you check out his seminars. Um, also want to ask everybody, if you're watching this on YouTube... Uh, make sure you go find us on the podcast. If you're listening to us in, in your car on audio, make sure you go to our YouTube and check that out. Um, you know, Instagram. We have an Instagram, Mike and Matt show. So we have our Instagram, and then also, like you said, the YouTube Alpha Funding. And you know, we uh, we're really looking forward you're, to. It's easy to find us. Just come look for us. You'll find us. Yeah. <laughs> Frank, awesome. Thank you for coming on. Frank, Frank, thanks, thank guys. you so much. We really appreciate your time. Appreciate it. Everyone, have a wonderful day. How's it going?